turn my mic up. Take there. Yeah, yeah, uh. On the road to the riches. Life takes a toll like bridges. Good friends become foes and snitches. Better watch who knows in your business. Hustle fam, hustle fam, we are back with another amazing episode today. We got a special one, y'all. I am here at K Neal Truck and Bus Center with the man himself. Thank you, man. K Neal. Appreciate it, man. Good to see you. Oh, man, my brother. Listen, Mr. Neal here is the CEO of K Neal Truck and Bus Center. You can see it all over the establishment. This is one of two black owned truck dealerships in the country out of 2,100. I'm going to say it one more time. One of two. Black-owned truck dealerships in the country out of 2100. This is special, y'all. I am so excited about this show, and we about to get into it, brother. Hey, man, I appreciate it, and I'm ready to rock and roll. Dope. Now, now I'm extremely excited to, to get into your story and to, you know, have this podcast because it's not very often that we see young brothers like yourself appreciate it. owning a whole truck and bus center you know what i'm saying you know like this this is crazy this is this is different man it's a lot of people man a lot of sacrifices to make all this happen you know for so. sure now when you say that when when you listen to that what what, is, what does that mean to you like when 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 somebody says that to you or when you hear that what does that mean to you you know personally it's it's humbling right because you think about it there's over 2100 dealerships in the united states and when you think about that you're one of two out of 2100 you know it's a pretty unique space to be in so, you know, it's a sense of how do I get more people into this? And also a sense of I have to lead the path for people behind me. Because, you know, at the end of the day, they got two examples of what we are as an organization. So I take a lot of responsibility with it. No doubt. One of two. Well, two black owned out of 2100. And you are one of that, that two. There it is. Man, that's incredible, brother. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. Well, well, well let's get into the story, man. Let's let's kind of get into the backstory. Talk about. How you got here. Perfect. Tell us a little bit about where you're from, you know, growing up. Let's, let's talk about it. So from the Washington metropolitan area, uh, grew up here all the way through. Uh, went to high school here in Washington, D.C. Uh, really fortunate to go to an incredible school here. Um, going to that school, changed the trajectory of my whole life. Uh, was a student athlete. Then I went to Eastern Michigan University, uh, played football there, uh, had a great experience. You know, lost a lot of games, <laughs> you know, lost a whole lot of games. But at okay. the end of the day, um, you know, a lot of that learning helps me today. Um, after that, hopped around in the NFL on some short tryouts, uh, not for long NFL. Uh, and then after that, you know, hop right into the family business, right? You know, one of the things that's pretty unique is, you know, we are a family-owned business, 100% owned by our family. Um, and when you kind of get into this space, most time people have a lot of investors and a whole bunch of different things. But, you know, my father and I are the sole owners of this organization. Okay. Talk about the origin story of this business a little bit. Get into that. So 1968, District International was here right where we're sitting. Um, so in 1968, this started. We purchased this in 2004. Uh, 2004, we were doing about $30 million of business. Um, just in 2020, we did over $110 million in business. Okay. So we have tripled the size of our business and our organization. Um, we've grown. Uh, we used to have one store. Now we have uh, four stores in the Washington metropolitan area. And we are just full service. Everything trucking needs to be handled from leasing, selling, used trucks, service, parts, anything you need for your trucks and school buses. Okay. So in 2004, you got started. Yep. You said District International was here. Yep. And, and you guys bought it out? Yeah, we bought it. Okay. So how did we make how, how, so your dad yep, yep. started the company originally, right originally originally how did he even get into this type of business so uniquely uh, my dad was actually the first executive vice president for a large grocery chain large grocery chain called giant food um, i've heard of giant food before so my dad left there in 2003 as the executive uh, ev of operations and the acting coo and okay. when he left there you know he came home and he said hey i'm retiring and my family was like no way you're retiring you're going to drive everybody crazy Right. So we went through all these research studies and we were actually in line to get a car dealership. Car dealership thing didn't work out and said, hey, there's a truck dealership right up the street from you guys. Mm. Come here six months, fill it out. My dad comes home. He's like, hey, do y'all like this opportunity? We can build a legacy for our family. And literally ever since then, we have just been on this legacy ride, building this organization to be what it is every day. Now, when that happened, how old were you? Uh, I was 15. So I was just trying to I was just kind of in that stage of life, understanding 
what stuff really meant. I mean, you know. Got you, got you. So I mean, like at that point, were you impressed by that? Like, what what what'd that mean to you when your dad was kind of making those moves? Like, <laughs> how, how did you perceive that? You know, uniquely, you know, my dad is my greatest role model in my life, without a doubt. Um, but what's funny is that my dad at Giant, I mean, my dad was all world. I mean, he was a $6 billion company and he was the face of the organization. Mm. So when he said, hey, we're going to buy a truck dealership, I'm like, oh, this is kind of, this is kind of small, right? <laughs> I mean, like, like what, what, what are we doing here? <laughs> right, and, right, right. Um, but I had no idea what this really was, right? I think I started working here in 2012. Okay. And in 2012, my dad had this idea. He said, look, you're going to spend a year to six months in every single department we have in this organization. You're going to sweep floors, you're going to fuel, you're going to do oil changes. You're going to do all the grunt work. Did that for five years in this organization. And it was the toughest time of my life because you got to realize I'm coming out of almost being an NFL football player. I got a master's degree. And my dad's like, dude, you got to come sweep floors. Right. And he did that so that I understood that I had to earn everything. Um, uniquely, it's been such a journey. And now I have a son. So now I'm in this mode of, man. I gotta make sure he understands that nothing here is given to you. You gotta earn your way for everything you have. Right, right, right. And, and, and why, why a truck dealership? You know, when you looked at it, this is a perfect industry as a truck dealership because you get both the professional, you get the both the normalcy, and then you also get these unique people, right? We believe in serving people. And at the end of the day, it is my job to serve the people who buy trucks from us and want us to service their truck so that they can have this great and help the world. Right. You know, at the end of the day, people don't realize that everything in this room, everything in any room you're in gets there via a truck. Right. And at the end of the day, everybody has ridden a school bus. So <laughs> our true. impact on the ecosystem of the world is huge. So when you think about that, you're like, you know what? Truck dealership is actually, it's actually <laughs> pretty important, a, a pretty important yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty important. So, so talk to me about that transition because you said, you know, you were 15 when your dad, you know, introduced this whole idea. Yep. So obviously you, you you still had some growing to do, some maturing to do. Mm. You went to college, you played football, yep. right? Um, you said you even went to the pros yep. for, for a minute, right? So talk to me about like emotionally what you had to go through and like kind of like, I guess you had to maybe humble yourself a little bit to come and work for the dealership Man. or did it feel like that for you? Man, it was tough. Uh, my dad's tough, right? So I didn't even know if I wanted to come to the dealership, um, but it was so hard to transition. And a lot of athletes today still struggle with this transition. And I, and I can tell you, if it were not for the dealership, I may still be struggling with that transition because you kind of go through your whole life. Well, you're a star in high school, you're a star in college. Now you don't make it. And now you got to go in the real world where right? you don't have you didn't have summer internships. You didn't have part time job because you were dedicated to your craft. So that transition is incredibly tough. And, um, it, you know, a lot of mental health, a lot of I mean, literally I was depressed. I yeah. mean, I would say. It was almost six months a year. You know, I just couldn't get in the funk. Um, but then I started to realize that I could take the same passion I had on the field and I can put that in leading people. And once I figured that out, good to go. Got you. So your dream was to play in the NFL as a uh, kid. Absolutely, man. You know, it wasn't so much to play in the NFL. It was just to be a professional athlete. You know, something unique. I didn't start playing football until I was 17 years old. Get out of here. Okay, that so, is unique. Yeah, it's uh, my dad's six foot ten, so I'm like six. Did he play sports? He played basketball. Okay. So I went to high school actually as a top rated basketball player in the country. Okay. Stopped growing, right? I played center. So at the end of the day, you know, I'm, it's like my sophomore, junior year, they're like, yeah, you're not going to grow. And I'm like, man, I got to transition, transition into football really quick. And it was just a quick ride. So literally, I only played football for like six years of my life. Right. So realistically, I really wanted to be a basketball player more than a football player. OK. So. OK. Got you. All right. So so you, you come into the family business. Yeah. Right. Tell me about the first couple of years. You said you were sweeping the floors. You're kind of learning everything, learning the operation. Tell me a little bit about that experience. It was it was humbling, but it was great. And the reason why the reason why is because I got to learn everything. So now in my role, in my position here, I know every job inside the building, inside the organization, nothing you know, this idea that people can kind of pull stuff over your head and all that. No, <laughs> I know it, right? right? You know, hey, it takes it takes this much time to do this. We do this to serve the customer. So it was great. And that was the same path my dad took a Giant, right? My dad started at Giant outside with carts, went to the cash register, went to the front counter, went to the deli, went to the floral, went to the groceries, every single part of that department. So that same path, we just kind of made it within that five-year spurt. And then after that, 
Um, I became GM of our smaller store in Gaithersburg. Then it's been on the road. Then. So, so when you when you were learning, like, what was the size of the company, just to kind of give some context? So we were back then probably close to sixty to seventy uh, million. Um, we, you know, we've always teetered in between, call it seventy and one hundred and fifteen people. Um, we staff up for the summertime um, simply because all the bus deliveries going into the summer. Uh, okay. So we staff up then, but. You know, we were doing about 60 to 70 and, you know, you know, I guess we've almost, you know, put on 40, you know, 40 million in top line sales, uh, even through COVID, which has been a blessing. Um, so it's been great. So so 60 to 70 million. Like, what does that mean? It's like how many units are you moving so people could. Oh, understand? got it. So um, unit wise, we'll sell anywhere from 800 to 1000 units a year. Um, okay. You know, we sell about 500 school buses. Um, actually, in the state of Maryland, we sell about 50 percent of all the school buses in the state of Maryland. Really? And then on the truck side, we'll sell about 400 new trucks, okay. uh, mainly international and Zuzu. Those are our two banner, uh, our two banner uh, OEMs. We also have a Hino franchise as well. Um, but then we also sell used trucks. So our used truck organization, actually this year, um, we're on the path to have the best used truck year we've ever had. Mm. Um, we might get over 150 used truck units this year. Got you. So with with the buses, how did you capture that much of the market share? A lot of knocking on doors, calling customers and serving customers. It was a it was a real you know strategy that we had because when we first got the business, we used to take orders. Then we begin to sell. OK, OK. So you should take orders. So you mean like you wait for people to come to you, wait for people to come to us. And now, you know, probably around 2010, 2011, we started to go out and look for them. Gotcha. And then that whole change, um, we have great leadership in our bus department. A guy by the name of Scott Bowen and Michelle, a lady by the name of Michelle Bray, really helped mold us to who we are today. So that's really been the most helpful piece of it. Okay. So, so, so talk to me about like, like this operation, like running a business like this, like the different departments, just so people understand like the different things that you have to, you know, think about as a CEO, like what are all the different, tell me a little bit about it. So if you, if you were to think about this dealership is no different than a car dealership, right? So, you know, we have GMs, we have a front counter, we have a back counter, we have a parts department, we have a service department, we have a sales department. So all that stuff rolls up, right? You got HR, you got people, you got insurance. I mean, everything inside this building is my responsibility. Every person inside this, but somebody comes here, they fall, they slip, all that is really your responsibility. So it's unique because people don't realize how complex it is to really run a business. Right. I mean, there are everything at the end of the day rolls up here. Right. And you got to lead people and inspire people because you're only two hands and two feet. Right. Right. So really, you're in this coaching mode of always trying to motivate people. Uh, you got numbers. I mean, it's 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 a unique experience. I mean, think about it. Do 110 million dollars of sales. You're doing almost 10 million dollars of sales a month. That's a lot of volume. Yeah. Um, so just the whole idea of accounting and cash flow and management, it is it's a full kit boot, man. Got you. How, do, how does a dealership model work? Like in terms of when you guys are looking for uh, like trucks to sell or buses to sell, like how does that process work? Are you mm-hmm. looking for from like from the manufacturer to when it gets to your showroom floor to the end user? Can you explain that a little bit? So essentially, you know, it works two ways. So one is stock trucks, right? So we have trucks available for us right now, just like if you're walking a car dealership lot that are available for you to purchase right now. Then there's a part of special order. So, you know, when you get into larger fleets, orders over 10 units, most of the time those orders are put into place. And then we go to our manufacturers and say, hey, we need 10 orders, these level of specifications, X, Y, and Z. Those units come in, you know, there's a whole financing process, which we do in-house financing here for our customers, finance the unit, then we go out the front door. And then after that, we wrap in maintenance on the backside, right? That's the toughest piece for trucks is that, you know, running the trucks is a business in itself, but then you got to maintain the trucks, right? Because truck downs means money's down, right? right? Every single day a truck is not moving, that's lost revenue for that truck. So, you know, the biggest thing is one, selling the truck, but then that's where we think we do really well is we serve and we take care of your trucks. Got you. Got you. So, so the maintenance piece is, is really important. Cause yeah, cause I, I've always wondered like when, when you're, when you're a, a dealership, like how, how do you know which trucks you want to sell? Like mm. freight liners, do you want to get Kenworth? Like yeah. how, how do you, how do you figure that out? So we are a international Navistar and Azuzu and Hino dealer. So those are the three that we are able to get, you know, as many quantities as we want. And we can go to corporate. Uh, when it comes to other OEMs like, you know, Pete's, Freightliners, you know, KWs or whatever the other make and brand, 
we go we go the used truck route. So okay. that's the majority. And then we have obviously dealer own dealer only uh, auctions, t- trade packages. So when these large companies like Knight or uh, CR England or McLean, when they have you know thousands of trucks that they buy every year, where those used trucks have to go on the market, then we go we bid on those packages to be able to sell them. Got you. How do you become a like exclusive dealer? Like what you said with. Now that's the that tricky work? part. Yeah. So that exclusive dealer part is the one is the two out of twenty one hundred. So you have to go through a whole dealership process. And the tough thing about this industry to get in is one, it's very capital intensive, right? When you talk about you know a hundred million dollar business, there's a lot of cash flow, there's payroll, there's receivables, all that type of stuff that you know, you know, really I sell a truck today, I'm not getting paid for sixty ninety days. Mm. So you know, there's a lot of upfront cash that has to be able to support your dealership running. The second piece of that is that this industry is hard to get into because a lot of it's generational, right? We were very fortunate to get in this industry. Right. A lot of this is you know, father, son, 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 or daughter that kind of comes in that family tree because it's a good business. It provides you know, provides well for your family. And once you get into this business, you start having fun, right? right? So right, a lot. Right. So oftentimes, you know, people really don't have the opportunity to oh, there's actually a dealership for sale. Let me look at this opportunity. Got you. Did you guys have to ever take on investors? No. Uh, we were very fortunate. Uh, you know, you know, Giant was very great to our you family. You bootstrapped this entire operation. We, it, it's tough, man. <laughs> you know, and, and some days it's tight, right? <laughs> and uh, you know, going through COVID, it got real tight. And it's just unique because uh, you know, just that you know, obviously it's God, right? At the yeah. end of the day, you know, we're not here if it isn't for God. So. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, you think you, you know, you think you're on Corey's plan or as my dad say, we think we on Steve's plan. But whenever we're on Corey's and Steve's plan, it starts going wrong. We just kind of slap ourselves back and realize, hey, this is God's plan. Right. That's when we start with stuff going right. That's that's a lot, man. What, what type of overhead do you guys have like monthly? Like because it has to be huge, I, man. I, mean, I, I walk around this facility and I mean, this place is state of the art. Like this is the it, real deal. We we came into this building in 2019, right before COVID, and this was a 15 million dollar build out. So you know, people can do the math. I can tell you, it ain't cheap. Yeah. But at the end of the <laughs> at the at the at the end at the end of the day, it is one of those things that you know, you're always trying to make sure one that you're taking care of the people here, right? right. You want to make sure people are taken care of. You want to make sure that their families are taken care of because. When you take care of people, they're going to give you your best, their best, excuse me, right? So at the end of the day, if my people are taken care of, now I got a good opportunity to take care of my customers. So when I think about taking care of my people, I think about making sure they're paid well, right? At the end of the day, you want to make sure people aren't stressed over, you know, life, right? Because life is real. At the second part, you want to make sure that people are trained, right? You want to make sure you're giving people career paths of growth, right? There's no, there's nothing worse, I think, than being somewhere where if you want to grow, you can't grow, Right. right? So you want to make sure that you have career paths for people. That's expensive, right? right? You want to have a nice place for people to eat lunch. You want to have a nice place for people to park. You want to do all those things. You want to have gear. You want to have polos. I mean, all that stuff adds up. You know, everybody here has a cell phone. Everybody here has a desktop computer. Everybody here. It just goes on, man. And at the end of the day, sometimes you sit there and you're like, man, this is a lot. Right. But you realize that it's all part of the business. And that's the tough part about it is you really don't realize those type of things until you look around. You're like, man, you know, we got almost got 100 people here. We've got over, you know, call it seven or eight to 10 pieces of commercial real estate property that either hold dealerships, hold truck lots, et cetera. And it's just a machine. Um, we talk about, you know, all the machine, the tools, all that type of stuff. It's uh, it's a beast. It's a, it's, it's a lot. You said this was a $15 million build out. So when, when did you guys move from your other building? What, that was in what year? Uh, that was 19. So right in, uh, we, we had a grand opening here in August of 2019. We actually moved in in October of 2019. And what was the size of the uh, original building? Uh, original building was, I believe, just under 25,000 square feet. Um, and this building, top and bottom, we get just under 50,000 square feet. Got you. And why did you know it was time to move? One, that building had been there since 1960, okay. right? So <laughs> it, 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 was, it was old, but at the same token, it was time, right? You know, we wanted this to be a landmark. You know, where we are located, um, is right over the DC line. So literally we are the first business that people see as they're coming out of DC, going into Maryland, or they'll leave in Maryland going into DC. Mm. And for us, you know, we have our logo, we have a flag here because we want this in this environment, in this community, you know, you know, we're here, right? We're thankful for this community. At the end of the day, our community allows us to be here. I mean, is so when we say, you know what, 
We're going to do something special, right? Yeah. This is going to be something that in our family will go on for generations. This is going to be something that in our county, that our county can be proud of, something our state can be proud of. And at the end of the day, you know, it's I think the minority community is proud of us, right? You know, 100%. it's, uh, you know, what we have been able to do here has been, it's been really special because you don't realize how big of a deal it really is. So if somebody comes up to you, be like, yo, this is nice. And you're like, <laughs> and, sure. you're right. And, and most of the time you're just in it. Right. Yeah. I'm, and when I walk through here, you know, I'm looking, oh, is the dirt on the floor? Is the doors closed? Are the lights on? And boom. Right. I'm not really in it. I'm just like, I'm trying to perfect it. Right. But somebody comes and says, man, I am so proud of you. And you're just like, man, these are old heads. These are, I mean, I mean, these, these are the old heads that have been in the truck industry, yeah. you know, for all these years. And it's, you come down, you come down to the showroom and they're like, man, yo, well, I'm so proud of y'all. Y'all, you have no idea. And uniquely, my dad grew up five minutes from here. Oh, wow. So literally, like, this is home base for us. Like, wow. this is home. I live, I live 10 minutes it, from here. It gets no better than that. Nothing better than that, man. Wow. At what point did you take over for, take over for your dad? Uh, 2017. Okay. Uh, so 2017, right at the end of it, you know, in 2007, 2018, it was a transfer, you know, transition time for us, essentially. Uh, so 2019 was really my first year hands off. My dad really had nothing to do with, you know, day to day operations. Um, and then 20 came. Right. So you got to realize, you know, 19, you know, 18, 17, we figuring out. Right. You're trying to get your team, your staff, no different than a sports team. Right. right. You know, you were trying to get your people in place. We come out 19 firing. Right. It's good. We got momentum. We go into the new building. It's crazy. You know, politician, customers, you know, it's just going nuts. Boom. March 6, 2020, I got to shut the building down. Mm. Right. Talk about adversity. Right. You know, I've been all I've been to all types of schools and master's degrees. I had, I've never seen this in a textbook. Right. So now you're in a position where you are dealing with dynamic change like you never have. At the same token, as a leader, you're going through what you're going through. Right. Is my family good? Is my is my wife good? Is my son good? Is my dad good? Is my grandmother good? Right. And now you got 100 people. Right. So you can't you don't even have time to process yourself because you got to be there for everybody else. Right. So as a leader, that's the thing that people really don't realize is that it's such a selfish job because Corey Neal and his feelings and his emotion is always got to be in the back of the room because I got to support. Him. I can do yeah. what I got to do. How, how did you get through those first couple of months post post? <sighs> well, we're still in COVID. Per yeah. Se, but when when, you know, that happened, how, how, did, how did you deal with it? It was tough. It was. um it was one is emotionally tough, right? But at the same token, you know, I just had a son. So I had a son in November of 19. Mm. So I'm a new dad. Wow. And I'm, you know, we're trying to figure all this out. So I'm trying to figure out this new dad thing. And I told you about 50% of our business is school buses. Right. School shuts down. Right. So now 50% of my business is gone. And wow. now in the state of Maryland, we didn't open schools until April of 2021. So I haven't had 50% of my business here at all. Nothing, you know, we didn't lose business or anything of that nature. So, you know, we adjusted swiftly. You know, I remember coming down here with a staff meeting with my team, with the organization. We pulled them right in the showroom. And I said, hey, these are the people that we have, right? This is our plane, right? I said, this is our plane. We're boarding the plane. It's how much fuel we have, right? <laughs> right? And it's our job to fly this plane so that we can come back down and pick up everybody else. And our team and this organization rallied together like no other, man. It was wow. so unique um, how we came together. Um, and it was it was good. We had, you know, people were safe. Uh, people didn't go out because at the end of the day, as you guys probably know, the truck industry started booming. It did. Right. So it now slowed down for a second and then it just went crazy. And even not to slow down, you know, we serve a lot of utility companies. So right. like your power, your water, ambulances, fire trucks. Right. COVID didn't stop any of that stuff, right? So now we actually started to pick up business on the truck side, but it was unique because I had lost so much business on the bus side. I was kind, I was kind of halfway in the middle, like oh, I'm enjoying the growth, but man, it is tough over here. Enjoying right. the growth is tough over here. So you know, our organization has been really good, um, and now you know we're in a point where one, you know, schools have gone back in, so that's really helped our healthiness of our business, and now we're just moving forward. So when when that when that happened, did your dad ever want to come back into the business? You know, my, I, I tell you, man, my my dad is. Uh, like, I got you, son. I'm coming back. I'm putting my cape on. I, I tell people all the time, man. My dad is so incredible because for him to have the selflessness to, my dad worked in Giant Food for 25 years and earned you know a ton, and then he came in this business and worked for 15 years. 
And then for him to say, son, I believe in you, I trust in you, you do it. Yeah. And then for him to do that, it's incredible. Yeah. So even nowadays, you know, we talk on the morning. Every day we talk at like 6.30 in the morning on the phone. And he's always, he's coaching me every day. And I enjoy those moments, man, because at the end of the day, he's got so much knowledge. He's got so much fruit. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, my dad's become a best friend. Really. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's always like, hey, don't do this or don't do that. But then sometimes he's like, you know what? I'll let you do that so that you can learn the hard <laughs> right, way. Right, so right, right. You, you have to learn. You yeah. have to learn for sure. What, 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 do, what do you take from sports that you apply to leadership now, man? Everything, right? The competitive drive. You know, I, I, uh, the biggest thing I take, though, is discipline and commitment. Um, you know, I was so close to making it in the NFL, right? You know, I was, you know, there's three cuts. I, was, I got lost at, like, cut number 70 on a 53-man roster. So when you're that close... It's about your commitment and your discipline to the craft, right? It wasn't that I wasn't good enough. It was that I was not committed enough and I was not disciplined enough. So everything I do, I am uber disciplined. Every single day I wake up 3, 30, 4 o'clock in the morning, I work out, I spend time with my son because he's on this crazy sleep pattern, which is something else. But I spend time <laughs> with my son in the morning. I'm here 4, 30, 5 o'clock in the morning every single day to be able to be here for my people. I'm here, I'm disciplined, I'm committed every single day and that discipline and commitment is what i stand on i tell people all the time i'm never the smartest person in the room mm -hmm. like i will never and if i am the smartest person in the room i, I need to get out of that room <laughs> right no but doubt. i am so committed and my discipline is unmatched uh, got you got you in in terms of like um like like sales and stuff like that do you get involved in any of that like, oh yeah you, you, yeah you, you, man you touch a little bit of it all touch it all uh our large accounts um even our small accounts uh, you know, you realize that everything you're doing, you're selling. Okay. And, you know, that's what I try to get my organization, whether it's the person calling to collect money, whether it's a person on the front counter, whether it's a person on the back counter or in my position, I'm selling my vision. Right. I'm selling my vision of this organization growing. I'm selling my vision of excellence. I'm selling my vision of servitude. So every single day you're selling, right? You're selling how you walk in the room. You're selling how you come to work every day because you want people to represent the idea or the model you have for the organization. Right. Uh, in regards to customers, uh, I got about two or three big customers that I kind of still manage and maintain. Okay. Uh, some The sales department's always like, man, Corey, can you just get out the way because you're just <laughs> messing up the deals. But uh, I, I, I enjoy it. Uh, but at the same token, fixed operations, that's my belly wig. You know, getting in it, you know, getting into the details, getting to the numbers. Uh, I'm, I'm a number person. Um, I follow numbers. Uh, you know, I just always have numbers going through my head because I think numbers tell you a story that, you know, is untold. Right. Um, and there's always you can tell any story you want with numbers. Right. Uh, so I'm a lot in the numbers. But, you know, sales is uh, sales is always a fun place for me to be. What, what, what are you guys doing to stand out, to be different from other dealerships? You know, really the biggest thing that we do is, is, our, is our servitude philosophy. Um, I believe, and this organization believes in servitude, and servitude is different than everything that I think a lot of organizations, right? If you think about an organization, everybody is trying to serve the boss, right? I'm trying to make the boss. I'm trying to impress the boss. I don't believe in that. I believe in I, it's my job to serve the people that work for me. It's the people that work for me job to serve their team and their job to serve that team. So eventually, if we keep on serving downward in our company, we'll get across to the customer. Mm. Because at the end of the day, I touch the customer probably the least out of anybody in my organization. Right. My drivers, my front counter people, they touch the customers every single day. Right. So if we're all serving downward and we take on this approach of servitude, then at the end of the day, our customers are getting served. And at, you know, in, in the world of today, you know, uh, options. People want options. People want to feel special. And that's what we do here. We, I think we do a really good job of making people understand that you are unique to us, you add value to us, and we want to hear and we are here to serve you. Got you. Are most of your customers like smaller, like two to three truck fleets? Like what does your customer base look like? That's the unique thing about this Washington metropolitan area is, you know, my smallest customer might buy one truck every five years. My largest customer maybe buys 150 trucks a year. Mm. So it's so unique. And that's the cool thing about working here is that I might work with a guy that has one store. He's running out the back of his house. Then at the same token, I might work with a lady that's buying 200 or 150 trucks every single year. Or I might go have a GSA bid where I got to wear a suit and tie to go in front of the United States, you know, GSA to be able to win a bid or a contract. Or I might have to go into a local municipality or I might have to go into somebody's farmhouse 
you know, there's so many different customers and that's the good thing about this business. And that's why I love it because every day is different here. Right. What, what do you think is the biggest misconception about truck dealerships? You know, there's, there's a misconception about all dealerships and that is that you get over, you get overcharged and you know, it's really not true, especially nowadays with the level of technology that are in these vehicles. You know, dealerships have software and technology that you need in your vehicles. You know, the days of kind of going to, you know, your local center or your uncle that's under the truck, you're really doing a lot of damage to your truck. You know, getting any real maintenance plan, going to the dealership, having great dealership relationships. It's a huge misconception. And people think you make a ton of money in this dealership <laughs> business. And I'm telling you, man, it's, it's thin on the bottom there. It's thin. So, you know, it's, it's thin margins. It's a volume game. It's a volume game and it's a servitude game and it's a passion game, man. Right. You know, at the end of the day, if you're not, if you don't got passion behind what you're doing, you know, similar to yourself. Yeah. At the end of the day, you know, you can't get it done. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I got it. People do think you make a whole lot of money. They're like, man, they robbing me, man. You yeah, it's it's uh, you know, it's it's unique, but at the same token, you know, price, especially right now, right? There's no inventory in the whole world. Right. Um, so you know, prices have just shot up. I mean, literally, I'm buying trucks from other people, paying fifteen to twenty percent normally of what I bought, and they can't stay on my lot but for two or three days. It's just crazy right now. So, so, so that's how it kind of works. So you have to actually purchase a truck first before you sell it. Yep. So you know we order from corporate and or we go to wholesalers to purchase our inventory, and or you know our large customers, right? So somebody's a fifty a year unit person, where we take in their trade package, right? And then we may farm out or we may wholesale 20 percent of that trade package, and we may keep you know seventy five percent of that to be able to sell in our used truck fleet. Got you. So you're like buying like in bulk. Buying in bulk, essentially. Got you. Got you. D is it like a, a, a like a large discount in doing that that way, or not really? It's really not. I mean, you you really it's all about the residual of the truck, right? At the end of the day, it is. You know, I bought this truck. Called, say it was a hundred thousand dollars. You know, at the end of that, you know, five years of that truck running is worth forty five thousand dollars. Then you go and then you sell it at the retail value market. Okay, um, got you. How how can you just said the residual of the truck? How can like the average like layman understand like how to price trucks and how to understand what you understand as a business owner. Come here to KNO Truck and Bus <laughs> and buy the truck, we'll take you through the whole story. Uh, no, I mean, really, that's what the dealer is there for, right? You to get that full education of, okay, you're making an investment in the asset, right? Whether it's a lease, whether it's a new or a used purchase, then now it's really looking at your performer. Can your business support this truck, right? Because the last thing you want to do is buy a truck where you can't run that truck because then that just becomes another car note for you. So then you're able to take that residual value and say, okay, if you pay $100,000 and your note is, call it $1,500, every single month, you should be depreciating that on your books, mm. right? So now when you go to trade that truck in, right, you have an idea of what that truck is going to be worth. And the easiest way to do that is if you're buying a 2021 and you're going to run your truck for five years, you want to go back right now and look at a 2016, okay. right? Typically, price increases is 2 to 3% a year. You back into the math. It goes that number of things I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. You back That's into. I, asked, I know you the numbers you, guy. You, you back into the math, and then you know you almost say, "Oh, well, this is round about what my truck's going to be worth when I get out of my truck." And another thing that you have to look at is maintenance costs, right? You know, you got your residual value, but at the same token, if you buy a truck for fifteen thousand dollars because it's your first truck, well, if you're throwing in a thousand dollars every single month in maintenance, well, you might have been better off buying a better truck, mm. right? And those are the things that sometimes. When people get into the business, they're not thinking about those things. And that's, I think, we do a really good job is educating people on, well, I can sell you this truck, but this truck probably won't serve your needs. You're going to be back here. You're going to be unhappy. Wait six, eight months to your down payment or you're able to get your credit where it needs to be. This is a better truck. This is going to set you up to succeed. Gotcha. Now, customers can do what they want, but I think it's our obligation to tell people because at the end of the day, our customer success is our success. What about warranties? would never buy a truck without warranty. At the end of the day, it's just like having insurance, right? You don't walk around without health insurance, because not because you think you're gonna be sick or anything of that nature, but you need it just in case something goes wrong. So every single truck that we sell here, either you can either comes with a warranty or you can purchase a warranty. So I strongly suggest anyone purchasing a truck to always purchase a warranty. Is there a specific warranty that you suggest like just 
there, there, there's, there's two big ones out there. Uh, one of them is called National. Um, I don't want to misplate, but uh, I'll definitely shoot you those. But there's two um, pretty much national ones that are covered pretty much at 90% of all facilities around the country. Okay. Um, those are the, I think one's actually called National Fleet. Um, those are the two that you want to get. They're smaller, or they're smaller ones, but the problem is, you know, if you're in Washington, D.C., you might have great coverage, but that's no good if you're in Houston and you're making a drop and you break down in Houston and your coverage is in D.C. And before you know it, you got a tow bill from Houston to D.C. Those are, you know, those are the things that you want to always kind of look into. Got you. Got you. So do, do most of your customers that purchase from you, they, they, they get the repairs and everything maintenance done here. Yep. Right. And then when it's time to trade in, they usually come back here also. Yep. And buy new. That, buy that, new. That's how it should work. Kind of the cycle. Yeah, it's that cycle. Right. And typically. You know, you know, we have some great customers. Um, one of them is Silver Trucking. You know, he started with us with one truck, one used truck. Well, now, you know, he had one used truck. Then he got another used truck, another used truck. Then he had about 10 used trucks. And then he started buying new, right? So then you essentially you want to start at your used truck, eventually become a new truck customer. And then that's how that eco cycle works, right? So now when Silver trades in his trucks, he's selling his, his trucks to my used truck department to give somebody else an opportunity. And he's growing, mm. so that's how that circle really works. Got you. I like that. What what, what has been the biggest cha- biggest challenge for you in, in in running and operating this this business? You know, the, the toughest thing is people, right? You know, you know, finding people that really want to serve the customer. That's always going to be the hardest thing. Um, you know, motivating people, inspiring people. That that's that's you know that's what it is. You know, I was having a conversation last night about you know people. You can motivate people, you can inspire people two ways. Either emotionally, you can touch their heart, right? And or you can touch their mind, right? You can give them the knowledge. And once those two things happen, you know, the job becomes really easy. Uh, second hardest thing is product, right? I represent Navistar, you know, Hino and Azuzu, right? So at the end of the day, I represent those product lines. So, you know, I'm as good as my product is, mm. right? So, you know, that's always something that I don't control, you know, but it's something that I control to the customer. So, you know, those are probably the two hardest things. Um, next thing is customers, right? This is a tough business. Right. Um, everybody wants the business. Everybody wants to sell. Everybody wants to serve. And uh, you got to go and compete. You know, we were talking about competition earlier today. This is this is competition. You know, every single every single month, you know, we got goals, we got numbers, we got market share to hit. And uh, every single month it's like a game. Um, right. 12 months, 12 game season. We get it every <laughs> single day. Have you ever had a day where you wanted to quit? You know, I wouldn't say a day I wanted to quit, but I have had days when it's been tough to muster it up, right? Tell, to, tell me about one of those days. You know, the day, you know, we had some, we had an incident here, a health incident here about two or three months ago. And, you know, somebody here, you know, is a really unfortunate story. It was so emotionally taxing. You know, I'm 30 years old, right? So sometimes you're like around 30 years old, I'm on a hundred million dollar company. That's a lot, right? You know, at the end of the day, most people don't get in these type of positions until they're 40, 50, 60 years old. So sometimes, you know, you, you come up on things and you're like, man, okay. I don't have time to process this. And that's the tough thing about it is that emotionally sometimes it's just hard to process. You know, you talk about mental health and those things, you know, those are real, right? I got real regiments to make sure that I'm 100% every single day, right? I got to be mentally tough. I got to be physically tough because it is a real thing. Um, a lot is coming at you every single day, not just from customers, but also from your organization, right? You know, your people, you know, it's, it's real, man. It, those days... You know, those, you know, you hear those memes and you see those pictures of uh, <laughs> CEOs under desk and stuff like that. Yeah, it happens, man. And at the end of the day, you know, you just got to just like get from up under that desk and get out there and lead. And right. at the end of the day, that's when you do. But they also got to have a circle of people around you. Right. I'm so blessed. man. I'm telling you, I'm so blessed to have the circle of people around me. You know, my father, my, uh, my wife, my mother, you know, this I got a circle of mentors, coaches that literally would call me out. Like, dude, you're better than this. Right. Get up. Let's go. Right. You know, I got people I can call two, three o'clock in the morning. If I have a problem, hey, hey, I can't sleep. This is what's on my mind. Okay, Corey, look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Right. It's not just me. It is a whole village of people around me making this thing work. Right, right, right. Man, 30 years old, man. Yeah. And, and what I really love about this is this, this right here is what everybody's talking about. Generational wealth. Like yeah. you said, your father passed this business down to you and, and, you know, you'll pass this business down to your child at some point. And that's dope. Like yeah. that, that's, that's 
where we all need to get. You know what I'm saying? From that, from like, and like you said, you, you're in it, you're living in it. But do you, like you said, you realize you're blessed? Man, I tell you, man, uh, favor, right? Um, you know, my grandmother passed away during COVID, mm. and my grandmother was a prayer warrior, and she has just prayed favor upon our family, man. And I'm telling you. My faith is so strong because of my family. And you really realize that when you kind of look around and say, man, this is special. Yeah. Like we are doing something special. And that just motivates me, right? It motivates me like, one, how can I make this bigger? How can I make this better? How can I continue to inspire? Because at the end of the day, if I can inspire one person to do something great, man, it's, it's impact that you have no other. You know, my, my kind of life motto is I want to be in a point where I can give back more than the world, give back more to the world than I take from it, right? So that whether that means that I'm giving away more money than I need to live, I'm giving more time away to people than time I'm giving to myself. That's that's the ultimate goal for me. So this platform, this foundation allows for that. Right. When when you come to the table as one of the two of the minority owned companies of the 2100, right? And and that's your peer group, right? Mm. How are you received? You know, it's it's just like it's just like your first day at work, right? When somebody sees you for the first time, they're kind of like, "He's young, <laughs> okay, he's tall, right?" And 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 you kind you kind of get the feel in the room. And and me personally, I'm a listener, right? If you if you really get to know me, I'm naturally an introvert. So you know, when I go in a room, I'm trying to understand the room. I'm trying to feel the people. I'm you know, I'm not first to speak. I'm trying to gain knowledge. And when I see my opportunity, boom. And then after that, I know I got the room. Gotcha. And then it, that shift in the room changes from, man, who is this guy to? Man, that dude's sharp, man. He he knows what he's talking about. And it's one of those things where I believe in heeding the advice of people in front of me, right? I mean, there's so many people that have come before me that have done great things, you know, whether they're black, brown, white, Hispanic, so many people. So right. taking that knowledge, Pulling that in. There are no new ideas. I, I wish, <laughs> I, 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 if I could think of a new idea, I wouldn't be here. I'd be making billions of dollars. I was, I was having a conversation a couple of days ago about somebody said, Can you think of the impossible? Man, I said, If I could think of the impossible, I wouldn't be here, right? right? You know, anything is possible. So trying just to always take that idea of learning from other people and being a continuous learner. Have, have you ever felt it though, like in, in terms like when you, when you're, when you're, you know, making these deals with these, you know, big manufacturers and all that, you're like, who's this young kid, man? Like, who, who's this? Has that ever come across you or, or has it just been like business as usual? I feel it every day. Okay. Every I know you sing- have to. Yeah, it's every single day, but at the same token, you know, I've been trained for this, right? You know, I, I told you my dad grew up in corporate America as the first, you know, senior executive of a $6 billion company. You know, my whole life, I've been trained for this. You know, my dad just told me stories about how he was treated. I'm ready for this. Like, you know, this idea of this has been happening since I was a kid. You know, it, it's crazy because, you know, you know, you don't think about it, but, you know, I used to, we, me and my dad used to drive from here to Virginia Beach. It's about four hours. That whole ride to Virginia Beach, my dad would be on the phone. And he would just be making calls, making calls, making calls. And I hear myself talking like he was talking on those rides to Virginia Beach. Mm. And I didn't realize it, but my dad used to always be like, man, are you listening? Are you listening? Are you listening? My dad's been training me for this. So when these, when I, when these things happen to me, just like being an athlete and you're in the zone, cool. I understand it. I understand it. Cool. Right. At the end of the day, I'm here on a mission. Got you. Got you. So we, we were talking about COVID earlier. You said things picked up for you kind of like after COVID kind of mm-hmm. went. Yeah, it's, it's been unique. On the bus side, it was tough. Right. On the truck side, the truck things side picked was, up great. Right. Um, a lot of people want to get into the business. A lot of people understanding last mile solution. A lot of activity. Yeah. At the same token, now, you know, with a lot of the manufacturers and supply chain delays, I don't have anything to sell people. So it's been really good. But at the same token, you know, I think that we're going to see some level of I mean, this this thing has to level at some point. I mean, it's skyrocketing right now. So at some Mm. point we're going to see some leveling, some normalization. But it has been, you know, the past 18 months in the truck market been booming. Got you. So semi trucks, box trucks, what's been uh, semis, box, sleeper, tractor, dumps. It's it's been (laughs) booming, man. I, I tell you. Um, you know, right now, you know, I would tell people to come Kano Truck and Bus Center right now, put your order in because right now we're selling in 22, right? We're already in 2022 right now. 
So it is that, you know, it is that much demand in the market right now. How, how long how long would it take right now to get a truck if someone walked in today? Depends who you are. <laughs> no, no, no. In all actuality, I mean, right now, lead times are out until about March of, you know, 2022 at this point, okay. depending on the make, model, and truck that you want. But like I said, you know, come see us. We'll figure it out. Got you. Got you. <laughs> Do you guys, you, you said you sell a lot of used trucks as well, right? Yep. We sell used trucks and we also finance here. So we actually have in-house financing that is another business that we own or we finance trucks here. Is there any like minimum criteria that you have when you use trucks to where like it's not below a certain age or anything like that? Or Typically, we don't like to sell trucks that are older than seven years old. Okay. Uh, you know, there are some oddball items that we kind of get back in, but seven years old is we don't like to sell trucks after seven years old. Got you. So if, when a truck gets in that's uh, older than that, what do you do with it? Um, typically, we'll just wholesale it to an auction. Okay. Um, we have some wholesaler partners that we work with. Uh, so, you know, we kind of have our outlets where, you know what, we don't think we, this doesn't represent what we want to sell to our customers. Let's wholesale it out. Um, so we typically, you know, make sure that we're providing a good product for our customers. At the end of the day, if you have a bad product, you're going to have a bad experience. If you have a bad, bad experience, you're not coming back. Right, right. right. Got you. How, how, how does uh, K Neil Trucking or K Neil Truck and Bus Center continue to grow? What are, what are you guys doing? Man, we got some growth plans that are so exciting that you're going to have to get me back on here for me to tell you about them. Okay. But, you know, we are we want to expand our footprint all across the United States, you know, and, and we want to do it in different ways. One is partnering with people like yourself, right, so that we can go out, we can educate the minority community and the whole community about being in a truck business, right? Ideally for me, I would love the opportunity to be able to help more people get into this business. You know, we do a financing and a modeling class where we're, we were teaching people how to run their business. Right. Mm. So now, you know, we're taking ourselves from not just the people that are selling the truck, but the people that are supporting the truck as well. But we're teaching you how to run your business, because at the end of the day, like I said, it's an eco cycle. Right. The more people we can help get in trucks, the more people we can help get in the transportation industry and help them be successful, the more they're going to help us. And at the end of the day, the best customer thing that a customer can do for me is say, hey, I had a great experience at K. Neal. You should go there. Right. Right. What What do you think are some of the things that people, you know, uh, don't understand about the financing portion of the trucks or the or, 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 or you know, what I mean, like what, what are some of the misconceptions or things that people don't really get? The hardest thing is new businesses. Right. Because when you are purchasing a truck, your business purchases the truck typically. Right. So you're looking at your business credit, not your personal credit. So even though sometimes people have great personal credit, it doesn't always transfer over to great business credit. Mm. So that's a tough thing to kind of follow. So a lot of times, you know, people have to put down larger down payments uh, to be able to get into that first truck. And that's that thing that's a little tough is because you don't want to overprice yourself on your first truck. Because if you overprice yourself on your first truck, you can't make money on your first truck and you can't grow. So there's like a unique situation where, you know, we have a lady here by the name of Trina uh, who kind of helps take our team and our customers through, hey, this is where you need to be from a credit standpoint. This is where you need to be from a liquidity standpoint. This is where your business needs to be. And we're able to wrap all that together so that sometimes, you know, if there's a business and you have done a really good job for a long time, you really might not get a down payment. Right. If you're new and you're kind of first starting out a business, well, you might have to be creative. So, you know, we have a team here that kind of helps set people up for success. Do you guys have flexibility in terms of financing or the, we, do you have to like meet certain criteria? There are certain criteria, but everything's different, right? You know, no different than buying a home, right? That whole process of buying a home, if you think about it, you know, how much you put down, which type of interest rate, what type of program you're using to get into it. Same thing on the truck side, right? How much you're going to put down, what's the interest rate, what, what type of truck is it? Right. right. Is it an old truck? Is it a new truck? Are you, do you have a CDL? Do you not have a CDL? Right? right. That's one of the big things, especially on commercial. I mean, on a CDL units is, well, if you don't have a CDL, that means that you have to rely on somebody else to run the load. Well, if you have a CDL, you know, to the bank is that you can run and operate that truck. Right. So that's another huge thing. So there's a whole bunch of little things that people can do to help themselves. And that's what we like to do is to educate and say, look, man, if you go get a CDL, it might take you four or six months. But now you're gonna, it's going to be much easier for you to get financed for that first unit. Got you. All right, man. So, yeah. So, you know, we always like to end the show with like with like a final thought, you know, Perfect. just and, and also let everybody know where they can contact you, where they can reach out to you and find out more about what you're doing. Um, so let's get into that. What, what what will be your final thought for the audience? It could be something entrepreneurial, <sighs> spiritual. Just 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 give them something to take you know, to take with them. You know, I, I got it. I'm going to give you two. 
Okay. Right. I'm an overachiever. So, you know, so one is, you know, have a circle of faith, right? Understand your faith, be grounded in your faith, right? Whatever you believe and have it, because being an entrepreneur, you're going to come across things and things are going to hit you in the face that if you don't have a solid foundation of faith, you're going to get knocked on your face. Mm. So you got to have your faith, whatever that looks like, right? Have your circle, have your family, have everybody engaged in you, right? The second thing is make sure you're passionate about this, right? Make sure you're passionate about this. You know, right now, a lot of people are getting in because they think it's hot and they think it's sexy. This isn't a sexy business. This isn't a cool business. This is a blue collar, get your hands dirty type <laughs> business, right? right? So be passionate about it, enjoy it, come to it every single day. You know, know that failure is gonna happen, right? Know that failure is gonna happen. Know that you're gonna get knocked on your ass, right? You have to get back up. And that's the, that's the thing that I would just say most. So one, you know, have your faith. If you don't have your faith, man, I wouldn't be here today. You know, second, be passionate about it. And, you know, don't be afraid to fail. Just lean into it. Got you. Now, you're you're in the, uh, the Maryland, D.C., yeah. DMV area. If someone wants to work with you, they're in Georgia, they're in, you know, California. Is that possible? Possible all the way. Um, we act, Our second largest California, is act, our second largest customer is actually in California. And our third largest customer is in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So, you know, we have a, you know, United States coverage. So if you are in Georgia, if you're in Atlanta, if you're in Houston, D.C., Philly, Chicago, Detroit, you know, we can service you. We can sell you units. And the best way to do that is visiting our website. It's Kneal Truck and Bus Center. That's K-N-E-A-L-T-B-C dot com. Um, so that's the best way to get a hold of us. Again, that's K. N-E-A-L-T-B-C.com. And what's the journey that the customer will go through? Will they get like, a, they send a questionnaire or how does that work? Well, right there when you get on our website, first thing you see is a call to action. You can call and when you call, you know, you say, hey, I'm looking for X, Y, Z. You'll be pointed in a direction and then you will be served at the highest level you possibly can be. Mm. Man, y'all, listen, one of two Black-owned truck dealerships, truck and bus dealerships in the country Spend your money with us, man. Out of 2,100. (laughs) Out of 2,100, one of two. Come on, y'all. If y'all don't come see this brother, I don't know what to tell y'all, man. This brother is passionate. You have to come see this facility. It is top-notch. Everything in here is pristine, down to the bathrooms. Appreciate it, man. When I say clean, I mean (laughs) clean, man. Beautiful facility. I'm really impressed. I'm super proud of what you've accomplished. Thank you. I'm super proud of what your family has accomplished. And I wish you so much, so much success in the future, brother. Thank you. Thank man. you so hey, much man, for doing I appreciate this with me. You, man. man, this has been dope. Listen, Hustle Fam, you know how we do it at this time. If you smell something burning, it's only your desire. Me and K Neil, we out. Peace.